Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. That's right, Bears fans, bear down and a victory on a Sunday as the Chicago Bears defeat the Las Vegas Raiders. I almost said Oakland 30 to 12 on the back of Tyson Bajant, the undrafted free agent rookie quarterback. We're going to get to all of it. Plenty to talk about. Thank you so much for joining us live. My co-host today, if you don't know him, is Matt Clapp. He is a Bears fan, and he writes for Awful Announcing. He also writes for The Comeback. His bear, he's got multiple Twitter accounts, but his Bears <laughs> account is at Necess. I, I assume short for necessities. Yeah, I used to have a Bear Necessities blog back in the day. So. Gotcha. So make sure you're following him there if you're not. Plenty of good insight on the Chicago Bears. And Matt, let's, let's just start with the positives here and just not only a victory, but a convincing victory. This Raiders team was three and three, but I think a lot of people thought Paper Tiger. But, you know, Luke Getze, Matt Eberflus, they came after him today and, you know, really separated themselves in the fourth quarter and came out with a nice, nice win. Yeah, this was an all around just really, really strong performance. I mean, I... You know, I think the Bears were two and a half point underdogs or so. Uh, like on paper, it wasn't a huge difference necessarily, but I mean, they just absolutely dominated this game. It was complete control on both sides of the ball. Uh, I don't think anybody saw that coming. I mean, I think I think the defense especially uh, just had a really really strong performance. Um, you know, the pass rush is still not great necessarily, but you finally had you know Tremaine Edmonds making a big play with an interception. You had Jalen Johnson getting two interceptions on what two drives and he had one in his career entering that. I mean, they, they finally made some big plays. Uh, I thought Brian Hoyer would actually be able to move the ball pretty well today. And uh, they didn't really let that happen. And it was just a really, really surprising, uh, absolutely dominating victory. Yeah, it, it really was. And let's let's we'll, we'll get to the defensive side of the ball because plenty of highlights to talk about there, which which has not been the case for a while. But on the offensive side of the ball, let's not bury the lead. Let's talk Tyson Bajan here, who obviously his numbers are not gaudy. They're, they're certainly not going to knock your socks off. You know, the, the final numbers for him, he was 21 of 29 for 162 yards. One touchdown, no interceptions. He was sacked once for those of you who like QB rating, 97.2. So he was very efficient, didn't turn the ball over. Those are important things that he, he needed to do. And the one thing he did not do was push the ball down the field. That was the question I think a lot of us had is, does he have the arm strength to push it down the field? He didn't try, and the Bears clearly didn't want him to try. And I think as... um Noticed by, you know, at the end of the first half when Nathan Peterman came out to try the Hail Mary, he's got a stronger arm than, than Bajan. They didn't want they didn't want to do that. So but but for me, for forget forgetting the arm strength, Matt, just looking at Bajan's performance, this is exactly what he needed to do. He was efficient and quick with the ball. He got the snap and got the ball out quickly. Didn't, you know, give Max Crosby a chance to create that pass rush and cause havoc. He got the ball out 
before the offensive line needed to worry about things. He hit the open guys, plenty of checkdowns. Like I said, it wasn't an exciting offense, but it was efficient and, and it led to a couple touchdown drives. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, they they ran this offense tailored to Bajan's game, clearly. I thought Luke Getze actually did a really good job um, being creative with that and uh, finding ways to get the ball in space. And I mean, on, on both sides of the field, they really did a good job with that. But uh, yeah, I mean, you saw his quick release and his accuracy. Um, he's He's got, seems like just about anything you'd want in a QB except for the big arm, which obviously that's going to be a big, big deal at some point um, at the NFL level. But um, they did everything today to make it work. And yeah, he was just so efficient and yeah, I mean, you, you couldn't ask more of, of him today, that's for sure. Yeah, and you you mentioned the accuracy. I mean, there, there was one, I, I, I don't know if it was second or third down, but it resulted in a first down. He threaded the needle to DJ Moore on kind yep. of a quick slant over the middle. I was impressed with the accuracy on that. I mean, plenty of balls were accurate. He put them where he needed to. But that one in particular really impressed me. You know, I, I know they said quick, accurate arm, but he definitely has, has accuracy. I mean, he's going to, if he's going to develop Right now, I think what we saw with Tyson Bajan is this guy can be a quality backup quarterback. Right. Your starting quarterback goes down for three, four games, and you have to bring Tyson Bajan, and he's going to pilot the ship. He's going to win you a couple games. He's not going to go zero and four and bury you. He's going to he's going to keep you know the the season alive, and that's what you need from your backup quarterback. Now the question is, can he build up the arm strength where at least he can threaten on intermediate passes. He may never really have that deep ball, but there's there are quarterbacks who have been very successful that never really had the deep ball, but you've got to have the intermediate ball. So maybe if he gets there, we can see a more complete quarterback. But, you know, I personally, for what I had for my expectations, Bajan, you know, exceeded them. He was exactly what they needed. And, and you know, like I said, accuracy, you know, smarts, everything that the Bears needed, Bajan gave I think, are you muted? Sorry, I said you nailed it on all that. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, like, we'll we'll see if 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 he's ever going to be asked to throw the ball downfield and how that's going to go. But I think he's absolutely a guy that you can expect to come into the game and run the offense pretty well. Uh, like, it reminds me a lot of like a Gardner Minshew kind of, or I love that um, comparison. Yeah. You know, or maybe maybe like an Andy Dalton. I think he's got he's got I think more natural skill and mobility than like a Chase Daniel or something. Um, but, you know, to get to a tier above that, he's going to have to show that he can push the ball downfield and make the, the big time throws. But I think I, it's clear that he can at least come in and run your offense and he's got some nice mobility. And um, like this is a guy that you can definitely win some games with. I mean, if you put him on like the 49ers, like I, I think he could win a heck of a lot of games. You know what I mean? Uh, you get skill position players around him and tell your uh, tailor your offense to him. Uh, he can definitely make some plays. And for an undrafted rookie in his first start, I mean, you could not ask for more. If I, just to, you know, not turn the ball over, be smart, be efficient, and he did all that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree with everything. And I know a lot of people can, oh, well, if Brock Purdy can be Mr. Irrelevant and be on a you know a team you know like the 49ers, why can't Bajan? And the, it's a perfect situation for Brock Purdy. I mean, you know, let, let, let's, let's be honest. If you look at the skill position players of Christian McCaffrey, George Kittle, Brandon uh, Ayuk and Debo Samuel, the Bears have one guy in that tier with DJ Moore. Right. A everyone else, you know, Mooney, it's not to knock Mooney or Herbert or any of these right. other guys. They're not in the, that tier. So you only have one guy instead of four guys in that tier. It's, it's the perfect situation for Brock Purdy to be the facilitator. 
So, you know, I, I don't like those comparisons. I love the Minshew comparison. I saw someone mention he has some Taylor Heineke in mm-hmm. his game. I, I can see that. So, and again, what are we talking about with Minshew and Heineke? These are really high quality backups in the NFL. That's right. that's where we're looking at with Bajan right now. So let, let's do the inevitable comparison to Justin Fields, because that's where <laughs> this is going to go this week, is that Justin Fields has one win and and uh, Bajan has one win this year. Like that's where this is inevitably going to go. And, you know, if Bajan keeps winning, the Bears should stick with him. We we know exactly where this conversation is going to head with the fans and the media. Oh, yeah. so, so so let's let's make this comparison, because I think, you know, it, it looks like with Ian Rappaport reporting that Fields is going to be out multiple weeks. He might be back for the Saints game, mm-hmm. but that means he's going to miss Sunday night football against the Chargers. That's going to be, I know the Chargers aren't off to a great start. That is definitely going to be a bigger challenge for Bajan oh, yeah. and for this team overall with Justin Herbert out there in the defense. And obviously we'll get to the defense's performance a little bit later. So that'll be, you know, if Bajan beats the Chargers on Sunday night football, I, I think at that point we can maybe start having this conversation. But right now this is a Raiders team that, I, if I'm being honest, I think if Justin Fields started the way this team played today, they absolutely still would have won this game. Did Bajan do things better than Fields can do in some aspects? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Those quick short passes and getting the ball out, that that is a that's better than what Justin Fields can do in that style. But the in terms of being able to stretch a defense, make explosive plays, everything that you need to do to be consistent moving forward, that's where Fields give this gives this team a better chance. So while, you know, I kind of look at this that Justin Fields, even if he isn't going to develop into what we hoped he was going to be, to me, he's still a low-end QB1 in the NFL. He's somewhere in that 20 to 25 range of starting right. quarterbacks. I don't think he's a backup. I think he's still a starting caliber player. You know, the question is, will he ever bring it all together to be a top 12 to 15 quarterback, which is, I think, where you need to be to be steadily successful. So. Right. To me, Fields is still, you know, I don't want to get into the conversation of is it Bajan or is it Fields? Who should the Bears have starting moving forward? To me, and and even though Bajan played well and played exactly within the offense that he needed to do, with all that in mind, just knowing how short the passing game needed to be, even though Bajan played well, it strengthened my resolve that no question Justin Fields should start when he's ready to. Yeah, I mean, it, at, at the end of the day, it, this is the same conversation we used to have about like Jay Cutler versus Josh McCown or blank quarterback. Some of them can, like some of those guys can do things more efficiently and in a quick passing game and not turning the ball over. But when, to beat the teams like you're talking a Chargers team, um, you're probably going to have to make some plays downfield in the passing game and some explosive plays uh, that you, you know, it's it's a lot easier to do it against the Raiders and some of these teams, but um, to hang with like a Justin Herbert, you're going to have to put up a lot of points and make a lot of big time throws. So can Tyson Bajan do that? Um, we don't know that. He didn't really have to do that today. Exactly. Um, he, 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 you know, he, did did he complete a pass over 15 yards? I I don't think he did. Like I looked at the box score and he had three passes that went for 15 yards mm-hmm. or more, but I believe all of them had yak attached right. to them. I think right. his longest air completion. And again, I don't have the stats in front of me. I, you know, I, I don't have that yet. I think his longest air completion was 12 yards. Yeah. And again, this is not at all downplaying what he's doing. It's just that when you're talking about like compared to Justin Fields and being like a long-term starter, et cetera, you're obviously going to have to make some of those throws and show you can do it against like the top team. So uh, well, we still have to see that. But, um, you know, we know that Justin Fields is capable of those kind of games and those kind of plays. Uh, I mean, the commander's game, I know they're not a very good team either, but 
you saw what he's capable of. We saw the same thing against the Broncos. We've seen the same thing on what Sunday night football against the Steelers a couple years ago. Like he has those moments. It's a matter of stacking them. And that's been the big problem um, and getting out the negatives and holding the ball too long, all those things. And that might always be with his game. And that might be what prevents him from being in that top 12 to 15 tier, like you said, but he has that ability. We don't know if Tyson Bajan does. And we, we shouldn't say that he doesn't either. You know, we still have to see it happen. Um, but like you said earlier, when they had brought in Peter, Peterman to throw a Hail Mary and et cetera, like, it does show that they probably have some questions about his ability to throw the ball 40 or 50 yards. Um, yeah, we just don't really know, but I don't think that the conversation um, should change as to who the starter should be until we see quite a bit more of this anyway, would be my opinion. Yeah, a- a- absolutely. And and that's the thing, like th- that deep ball is important. It's not like you, you, you don't need to complete them constantly, but you need to have the defense respected enough that they don't stack the box and keep everything up, which is what's going to happen here. The Raiders didn't do very much adjusting, you know, Josh McDaniels, we can get into that, <laughs> but, but, you know, the, the, the whole key here for this offense, if you're going to keep it short and efficient, like Bajan did, you need to pair it with a running game and the right. bears running game looked like 2022. In fact, the Bears running game has been a lot better the last couple weeks. I don't understand what Luke Getze did at the beginning of the year. He just abandoned the running game pretty much altogether and just had Fields throwing it every down. I don't understand why he did that. You were the number one rushing team in the league last year. Yes, that was, you know, Herbert was good. And, and you know, with Montgomery, that, that was good. And Justin Fields was, was important to that. But you had the ability to run the football, and now that they're getting back to it this last couple of weeks, you're seeing that ability again. And that was huge today to take the pressure off Bajant. This team had, you know, the numbers on the day, 38 carries for 173 yards and two touchdowns on the ground, four and a half, over four and a half yards a carry. That That is phenomenal, especially when you consider your top two running backs are out. That was It was Deonta Foreman and Darrington Evans. You know, you're basically your third and fifth running backs, if that's what we're going to call Evans, just really did a great job. And, you know, I, I'll be honest, I did not like the idea of moving Tevin Jenkins over to right guard. I still don't think it was a good idea. I would have rather him stay at left guard where he's gotten comfortable. But what that did create was a right side of the line with Tevin Jenkins, Darnell Wright, and then you saw Mercedes Lewis out there on the right side a lot. It gave them three really strong blocking players together, and they definitely opened some holes. When they when they went to the right, you know, I don't have the splits, but when the Bears ran to the right, it really looked like they were running efficiently over there. Yeah, it absolutely did. Uh, they just they it felt like that they were destroying the uh, Raiders at the line of scrimmage on a lot of those runs and Foreman just runs with such authority I mean he's he's a punishing back and I think that it's he's he's a pretty underrated speed guy I think too for the the power he brings like you see some hints of Derrick Henry almost in there um it it was just a really really impressive performance from him Uh, and like he was one of the most efficient runners in the league last year with Carolina absolutely Uh, it's, it's just a matter of him catching the football, which he didn't do on that first drive, had a really bad drop. And uh, his pass protection has been an issue. I think last game, it was something like he allowed like three pressures in seven or eight chances or something. So uh, I think they've been afraid to trust him in those areas, but he can really run. And I mean, I think if you're a, a competitive team right now looking for running back help, this is a guy that you should be calling the Bears about, honestly, and he could help ahead of the trade deadline. Yeah, look, they, I mean, he he absolutely has some 
has some value in that regard. And, and Jalen Johnson, who we're going to get to the defense here in a second, certainly if the Bears are going to be sellers at the deadline, those are certainly two guys that could help other teams. So this is not your average Bears postgame show. I'm Bill Zimmerman, Matt Clapp from Awful Announcing, and the comeback is with me today. If you've got comments or questions, make sure you drop them in now. We will get to them here as we progress through this podcast. And we want to you know, hear from all of you. So we appreciate you listening live. Make sure you, you get us some comments and questions, and, and we will respond to them. But Matt, while, while, while fans are doing that, let's switch over to the defensive side of the ball, because what we're seeing here is a defense that is absolutely playing better. I mean, let, let, let's be honest here. This defense, the first few weeks of the season was laughably bad. I mean, mm -hmm. and it, it dated back to last year as right. well, but they didn't, last year did not have the addition of you know, they had a lot of injuries and they didn't have the additions of Tyreek Stevenson and Demarcus Walker and Edmonds and Edwards and, mm -hmm. and, and Ngakwe and all the guys they put on this defense to try and beef up this defense. And they came out, and I think a lot of it was on Eberflus. I mean, just with, with flat zones and no pass rush and no creativity. And they were just, you know, you, you weren't getting torched by, you know, the Mahomes and Burrow and Allen. You were getting torched by Baker. May I know one was Mahomes, but one, you know, Baker Mayfield and Jordan Love. Not exactly the who's who, but we're seeing here. And the Vikings, I thought, shot themselves in the foot a decent amount, but you know, they got a pass rush against Washington, had some good things there. Regardless of the Vikings game or not, they they held the Vikings down. The Vikings did not score a lot, 12 points, considering that one of those touchdowns was defensively. And then here, 12 points, again, touchdown, you know, and, and the touchdown late was in, in garbage time. It didn't even right. matter. So this defense played a lot better. You know, Tyreek Stevenson had a couple nice pops. Devontae Adams was was involved early and that kind of fizzled they kind of put the clamps down on him like you mentioned earlier Tremaine Edmonds made a play still didn't see enough of a pass rush up front and that certainly is going to have me nervous with someone like Justin Herbert coming up here next you give him time to dice apart the secondary and I think you're going to have issues with, with that yeah. in that game but regardless this is a defense that is starting to look like the defense we expected that it could be yeah, I mean, you expected this defense to play at least a little bit better than perhaps its talent level, I think, under a, a defensive head coach and Matt Eberflus and what he showed with Indianapolis. I mean, we saw the same kind of thing with Vic Fangio in the last regime where you might have a defense that looks maybe in the low 20s, but you can get him playing at least a league average or something. And uh, it had been highly underperforming and disappointing, I think, until these last few games. And hopefully this is a sign of things to come because, I mean, like you said, to to hang with a team like the Chargers and to prevent Justin Herbert, et cetera, from going off, you're definitely going to have to rush the passer a little bit. You're definitely going to have to guy, have a guy like Jalen Johnson step up and take advantage of the few opportunities you get, at least knock the ball away, hopefully come away with an interception. Um, and you got to have these linebackers that you're paying um, take advantage of those opportunities too. I mean, Tremaine Edmonds did it this time. Uh, you just, you, you can't really let opportunities like that slip by when you're, probably not a very good team. Um, you you, you got to do things like they did today, and they had not been doing that nearly as much early in the season. Yeah, and, and I think if you had reasonable expectations coming into this season, to me, the, the, the word that I always use for my hope was that they could become below average. 
right? Like I wanted the offense to be below average, the defense <laughs> to be below average. Yeah. And, and again, that sounds almost insulting, but it's not that below right. average ends up with seven or eight wins on the year. And you won three games last year. So you're yeah, talking about like, a significant jump. That's not meant about going way. from three wins to 13 wins was never really going to be right. an option unless somehow Justin Fields made an MVP kind of leap. And then, right. and, and that was going to be asking a lot of him. Right. So below average is, is what I wanted to see. And right now this defense is performing at, you know, an above average at a, at a good level. Now they're going to have a much bigger challenge next week with the chargers. And I think that's really going to give us an opportunity to see, is this a team that's turned the corner or is this a team that had success against a backup quarterback and Brian Hoyer and an offense that really hasn't been that good anyway, a Vikings offense that was missing, missing Justin Jefferson and hasn't been really that good anyway and a, a Washington team that, you know, you still gave up 20 points, which was a big improvement of where they were, but you know, you're, you're, you score whatever it was, 40 points on the other side and, and just, and was able, you were able to cruise there. So, and, and not that Washington is a juggernaut of an offense either. I think they just scored seven points today against yeah. a, a bad Giants football. Yes. So, you, you know, the Bears, the defense is doing exactly what it needs to be doing right now. And and again, the Chargers are not a great team. Brandon Staley is, a, is certainly a questionable coach. You know, some guys, you know, don't love what Kellen Moore does as an offensive coordinator. He does good things and bad things. But I will say next week, for, forget a win or a loss, that, that even doesn't concern me at this point. Next week is going to be a really important measuring stick for this defense to see have they turned the corner or are they just successfully beating down bad offenses? Yeah, 100%. Um, and then if they do show that they're improving and they do keep can uh, do keep showing that, you know, in the coming weeks, you can beat you can beat some of these other teams. I mean, they could beat a Saints team, they could beat a Falcons team, they could perhaps maybe even get the Packers the second time. You know what I mean? Like there's sure. the, the 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 talent difference on paper between these teams is not very large. We're seeing that with the Raiders and with the commanders and like if the defense steps up and plays more like these last couple of weeks, some of these games that have been winnable for the bears, like those can, those can become wins. And um, yeah, they just got to sustain it. And like the big thing I think is probably going to be that you need to, you need the pass race to pass for us to probably show up a little more consistently um, because yeah, like you said, a Justin Herbert is probably going to find his way to find an open receiver. Um, if you don't, get enough pressure on him. Yeah. And, and look, when, when you start looking at how this bears team has looked and again, soft schedule, I'm not saying it's not, but let's just pretend that we can lop off the first three games of the season and let's pick it up with week four, which obviously was the rough loss to the Denver Broncos. But you also have to wonder if this team played Denver like that in week one and didn't have the baggage of the first three weeks would they have collapsed like they did in the fourth quarter? I don't know if they would have. I think yeah. there was a lot of here we go again with going through the Bears' heads. In the oh moment. yeah, they're, they're they're human beings. I mean, they 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 feel it even more than we do, and um, I think that's the kind that's the exact kind of situation where the the real life parts of this do become a factor, and you all they all have that doubt creep in, even though they're all believers and guys with professional athletes that have an edge and everything like. Uh, we could all just feel that potentially collapsing. And until you start winning some games, it's hard for that feeling to not go away. And I Absolutely. think you're exactly right. Like if you play that in a different situation, I mean, the, Bear the Bears are no worse than the Broncos are, in my opinion. And 
I, no, I think they're actually, I actually think they're I think a better, better, team. better team. Yeah. I mean, they looked that way most of the game and just, it just fell apart. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. So like, if you look at how this team has been after the first three weeks, that Broncos game could have had a much different outcome if it didn't have that baggage. Then they actually go out and beat Washington. The Minnesota game was ugly, but they were within a touchdown despite everything that was a problem. And it was and a very winnable game. And they yeah. just, yeah. And then you sit there and go, well, if the Denver game's a little different, this is a three and two football team. Even mm -hmm. if it's even if you don't give them the Denver game, it's still two and three, which is I think a lot more in line with what we expected this football right. team to be. They just came out of the gates so poor. They were so outcoached against Green Bay. It followed them its way to Tampa, and then they just collapsed against Kansas City. It was a horrible way to start the year. And I'm not sure what the reasoning was. I don't know if you want to blame coaching. You know, I've heard people say that the Bears believe their press clippings, you know, in terms of being a, a much improved team. I, I don't know if that was it. What, you know, the injuries and they didn't, they were, didn't have a chance to play much in July and August because guys were sitting out. Whether those injuries were severe or not, I don't know. Eberflus's decision to not play them. A lot of guys sat out. So what you had is you had this really disjointed team that really didn't look good. Again, whether it was coaching, whether it was the players themselves, this was an unprepared football team at the start of the year. And, and, and then to, to complicate things with Alan Williams and everything, right. it was a mess at the start. And they seem to have righted the ship to at least be at the point where they are now a competitive football team. Instead of just like, like when we got to the, the, the chiefs game and I had to do some stuff for windy city gridiron and writing. And I do the five questions. I talked to the Kansas city site. Like I said, I have full expectations that the bears will lose by at least three touchdowns and give up 40 points. Right. Cause that, that's where they were at that point. There was no mm -hmm. reason to expect them to surprise anyone with the Kansas city game or anything. It was that bad. So it's just frustrating to be here, seeing this team playing better, knowing you've even got Carolina, you know, and the Saints, you know, some winnable games here. You know, even the Chargers are, are a winnable game. I mean, they they have a losing record right, right. now. So, Brandon Staley can always give you a chance. Yeah, so, yeah. you never know if Brandon Staley's just going to go for it on fourth and eight because, you know, he says that, you know, the numbers say he should. They don't, Brandon. They don't always say that. <laughs> but regardless – They've got some winnable games, and if they just didn't have that baggage at the beginning of the season, you'd have some hope for this the season the, re the rest of the way. But to turn around and try and get competitive and back into the NFC playoff picture at this point is such a long shot because of how they started the season. Just frustrating. Yeah, it is frustrating. I mean, I think um, I think we all thought that they would probably at least win like six games, uh, maybe seven games, maybe a little bit better if Justin Fields made the – proverbial leap into that Jalen Hurts, Josh Allen, you know, third year leap territory. Uh, but they look so, so bad. So, so bad. And that's why we all were blaming the coaching like crazy because uh, the team was not, even if it wasn't a very good team, it should have at least been playing more like this on paper. Um, and hopefully they have started turning it around and hopefully that we'll start seeing it carry over and potentially upset a team like the Chargers or the Saints and I mean, they're capable of it. They, this team has enough talent, and we saw that today. Yeah, and let, let's just talk about coaching, in-game coaching here a little bit. And I, I don't want to bag on the Bears. When you win, you know, you know, win the game thirty to twelve, you you certainly shouldn't bag on them. But at the same time, when there are better teams on the horizon, and they still have to play Detroit, and you know, Atlanta's a decent team, and it's not like the schedule's impossible down the stretch, but it is improved. There are there are tougher games ahead for the Chicago Bears, where you know they need need to be coached better. 
And Matt Eberflus in the past has made some head-scratching decisions for me that I just did not like in-game. Mm -hmm. And today, like if we're just going to be honest, <laughs> how he handled the end of the first half, it ended up not mattering, but yeah. it was atrocious. And it gave, it was the opportunity to give the Raiders momentum because, yeah. the, you know, you decided you wanted to give Tyson Bajan the ball first and get him comfortable. I, I didn't have a problem with that. I know a lot of, you know, statistic guys will say you always should defer take the ball in the second half. You have odds for, for more possessions. I understand the reasoning, but I actually understood. It's like, all right, let's get Tyson some rhythm. We don't want, you know, the, the Raiders to march down and we're down in Tyson's down seven, nothing or even three, nothing before he has the ball. So I got that. And I understand that the bears offense didn't do anything in the first drive, but when you made that decision, you know, the Raiders are getting the ball to start the second half. So you're giving the Raiders an opportunity here. And then the way he handled it, where he actually had a chance to get more points at the end of the first half, didn't use any of his timeouts. Just it looked like he was trying to play for a long field goal, and then that all backfired. It was just a complete mess. And luckily, Josh McDaniels is apparently just as bad of a this coach bad, yeah. as Matt Eberflus. I mean, that field goal he took towards the you know when when the Raiders were still in it. You know, I know they were down three scores, but they could have had you know play get a three and out and get the ball back. How he doesn't go for a touchdown there, settles for the field. Ron Rivera did the same thing against the Bears, taking a, an iffy field goal when he needed a touchdown. I don't understand how these coaches, I get it. You know, you, you have to make these decisions in the heat of the moment, and, and sometimes you don't make the right one. But he went for it on fourth down already, Matt. McDaniels went for it on fourth down already, got the first down, Went back to fourth down and says, "All right, we're not we're not going to get two fourth down conversions, I guess. So we're just going to kick the field goal." I don't understand what McDaniel's was doing in the second half. A lot of people were questioning what Josh McDaniel's was doing, and Matt Eberflus totally mismanaged the end of the first half here. The coaching for the, I mean, for both teams, the coaching needs to get better. But the Bears, this coaching, these in-game decisions has to get better by Matt Eberflus. Oh yeah, I mean, especially if you're going to win a close game, that's what it can frequently come down to is those just percentage decisions on fourth down or how aggressive you are at the end of a half, like you said, um, just general clock management and percentage decisions are such a big deal. Um, it, like if you're one of these tweener teams, if you're playing these like tweener games, like the bears versus the Raiders, bears versus the Vikings, bears versus the bucks, where you're all pretty close, you got, you got to find a way to win the percentages. And luck, luckily today, they just flat out outplayed the Raiders. But if you played this game like a hundred times, those kind of decisions could make a big difference in a lot of them. And I mean, like you said, thankfully Josh McDaniels was uh, probably even dumber. <laughs> um, I mean, I, like there's no rhyme or reason to his decision to go for it the one time, but then kick a field goal to get within 15 points. Like you said, I mean, you gotta, you gotta try to score a touchdown there. You can't assume that you're going to get many more goal line opportunities. Um, I, I really don't know what he was thinking. And I'm, I don't understand why he keeps getting head coaching opportunities in general, but that's a whole nother conversation. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, the, it, it was interesting as, as I talk about, I do the five questions with the sister sites for, for SB Nation. And I was talking to the, the Raiders guy this week and I talked about, it, I'm like, I really didn't expect this Raiders team to be three and three. I did not have high expectations for them. And he basically, his response was, they're a total paper tiger at three and three. They've had some lucky wins. They beat some bad teams. Josh McDaniels has no clue what he's doing. The whole <laughs> fan base wants him. Like completely negative. Like you would have thought, like just listening or reading his comments that the, the Raiders would have been 0 and 6. So, and that's to me, I always think the Raiders are kind of a fascinating team for the Bears to play from the aspect of, I really think these two teams are, are very similar 
when, when you kind of pull back right. over the last 20 years, 25 years, so to speak, you know, the, the Bears just, you know, been to one Super Bowl, Raiders been to one Super Bowl, you know, both, both laws, you know, Rich Gannon throws five interceptions like that. That's how things go for this Raiders <laughs> franchise. You know, Mark Davis as an owner has made a lot of bad choices for this team. And, and, you know, now they've moved to Las Vegas, they got a big stadium and maybe things are finally looking up for them, but they have a coaching staff and a regime that the fan base doesn't trust. Like it, it, it has always felt like the Raiders and the Bears parallel a lot to me in terms of, you know, ownership that you don't trust. And because of the ownership making poor choices, a lot of bad decisions that trickle down onto the field with, a, with GMs and, and head coaches. So I always think it's interesting and, and kind of to talk about that with, with, you know, people who cover the Raiders and Raiders fans, because, you know, we can commiserate. Like it, it, it's, it's really the same thing. I mean, the Raiders did get the quarterback mostly right with Derek Carr for a few years there, which mm -hmm. is something the bears haven't experienced yet. But at the same time, again, Derek Carr, I, I don't even know if they want a playoff game with Derek Carr. They might have won. On that, on that topic, can we just say that it's a huge break, at least, that the Bears did not sell the farm, you know, to get Derek Carr or to get Russell Wilson? Like, how much worse would things look right now if they, like, put all their resources to that move, you know? Yeah, especially that Russell Wilson one, because the car one, I mean, it would have been bad, but the contract, you know, assuming they would have extended him would not have been, I mean, Russell Wilson, you just figure, look at what the Broncos did with Russell Wilson and figure the Bears would have been right in the exact same boat. I mean, having that contract saddled in Chicago and think, think about this. This is Sean Payton, who for the most part knows what he's doing, especially offensively. Right. And this is where Russell Wilson is, who's, you know, we we would have had Nathaniel Hackett, Russell Wilson with, with our <laughs> coaches. Oh, yeah. And, and would have had it there moving forward. No one would have wanted to take this job because of the situation. Like if that Russell Wilson trade happened, it would have been disastrous for like that. We, we think the Bears are in bad shape now. It would have right. set the Bears back a decade before right. they could have actually fixed this mess. Absolutely. That so as bad as things have seemed, I mean, it could have been a lot worse. Uh, thankfully, those moves didn't happen. Yeah. So, well, well, let's talk about a, one positive about this team right now, and that is its future, and its future thanks to a Ryan Poles trade to trade down to number nine and get the number one pick. Now, the Carolina Panthers did not play this week, so they will remain winless. But in a very positive note. There were five one-loss teams. One of them were or one-win teams. One of them was the Chicago Bears. So obviously, you know, that, but that doesn't matter in terms of the <laughs> search for the number one pick when we're looking at what the Panthers are doing. But the New York Giants and the New England Patriots beat the Buffalo Bills. Mm -hmm. Not only is that big for the New England Patriots that they only have, that, that they went from one to two wins, but that's a confidence builder for a team that really needed one, beating a quality team like Buffalo like that. The Giants showed a little scrap. The defense played played well, kept Washington bottled up. Those are two teams that have now slid off the one, one win department and into two wins. To me, the magic number is four wins. Once a team gets to four wins, you no longer have to worry about them competing to get the number one pick. So obviously they, they have some more to go, but right now only two teams remain. I'm not sure where Denver and, and Green Bay is right now, but you've got Arizona and Denver with one win and Carolina with no wins, and that's it for the top three. Everyone else has two wins or more. So in terms of the Bears securing a really high pick with that Panthers, you know, with that Panthers pick, Matt, great day for that. Absolutely. Uh, the, the, like you said, the Patriots win was absolutely shocking. Um, that's that's a huge thing, and it feels like kind of a break after the Bills blew that game. I mean, the, the Bills 
the Giants blew that game at the Bills last week. Um, so we kind of got a little redemption there with the Patriots finding a way today, and then the Giants finding a way to beat the Commanders. I mean, those are those are two teams in the Patriots and the Giants that have looked, I mean, as as bad as the Bears, and maybe even as bad or almost as bad as Carolina. And now they're up to that two-win line, and hopefully they can each find a way to get a little bit better and pile up a few more wins because you know we know that Bill Belichick's going to try to win, and the Patriots are hopefully going to find a way to steal a couple, but they've looked so, so bad until today. And then the Giants, I mean, they were a paper tiger last year and the regression gods hit them and the Vikings really, really hard this year. Um, so it was good to at least see them get back in the win column and hopefully they can each win at least five plus. Yeah. And, and just at, at, at this moment during this broadcast, Denver is up six, nothing. So, so far so good there and Arizona hanging in there. They're down 14 to 10. So maybe we'll get another one of these one-win teams, a second win, and really kind of get a little distance here with Carolina because right now, here, here's what I would say, and then, and we can get to comments with, with Carolina. Carolina is on the cusp of imploding. Mm-hmm. They, you know, but going into this bye week, you know, Frank Reich was complaining about ownership. That's ne- publicly complaining about right. ownership. That's never a good idea. Basically admitted that the whole team wanted that he wanted CJ Stroud and ownership wanted Bryce Young. That's nothing, or that's nothing that Bryce Young needs to hear. You've got Hayden Hurst complaining about how the team's just quitting and, and, and players aren't, aren't competing. Like you're, you're at a cusp where this team could start falling apart. And the fact that I think it was Albert Breer, I don't remember which insider, said that the Carolina Panthers are going to look to sell pieces off at the trade deadline. So the Panthers understand here that this is a lost season. They start selling off competitive, you know, important pieces off their defense or whatever. There's no reason to think that this team can win more than about three games this year, the way they're going. So it's all for the Chicago Bears, the Panthers going in the wrong direction. It's all going in the right direction for Chicago right now. I really think that this Panthers team could be on their way to just one or two wins. Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me at all. I mean, uh, they they had that good start against Miami last week. It was like 14 and nothing, and then the Dolphins just pummeled them. Uh, they they badly need a weapon or two for Bryce Young to – he needs a DJ more. I mean, that's what he needs more than anything. Uh, he needs somebody to take a short pass to the space and turn it into a home run. Uh, and I just – I don't really see it with that team right now. And like you said, they have all the bad vibes going. Um I like it's very easy to see them trading like a Brian Burns or something at the deadline. And they, they've had a lot of injuries on that defense. That was supposed to be a pretty solid defense, but they've lost so many key players. And if they trade from it, it's just going to get worse and worse and worse. And I mean, it's the same thing we've been talking about. Like once you start losing a lot of games, that real life human um, locker room and everything vibe, that culture, it really starts to make an impact. And, uh, it's just not a great situation for a rookie quarterback that needs a lot more help around him. No, and that's the thing. We we in Chicago have seen what really screwing up a rookie season for a quarterback <laughs> can do. And Carolina certainly, you know, when you give up that kind of capital to go up and get Bryce Young, you need it to work out. And if they damage Bryce Young to the point, and who knows, maybe he would turn out, maybe he wouldn't turn out. But if you damage Bryce Young to that point, where it flops and CJ Stroud becomes a guy in Houston, you've just created, I mean, that that's, that's yeah. the kind of thing that the franchise can take five, six years to recover from. So, and also I was going to say, I mean, there's been a lot of rumors about them trading for a, like a, a wide receiver or whatever, but I don't really know who is a like bona fide number one wide receiver that they're going to inquire 
in season right now. I mean, most of those guys are on good teams or they're, they're players that teams don't want to get rid of. Um, so, I mean, like, I think that they'd probably be talking about a Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, but those are still that like second tier or Steve Smith said third tier <laughs> free uh, Jerry Judy last week. I think they're probably not going to be players that like change the tra trajectory of the season or really add more wins on paper. So, yeah, and, yeah. And here's the thing about trying to make one of those trades. What are the Panthers going to give up? They don't have their first right. round pick this year. They don't have their second round pick next year. Like, if you give up, you what you're gonna have to give up a second, maybe you know, at best a third round pick. You can't just keep trading away draft capital right. for, for mediocre players. So it, 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 it they, they've got themselves in a tough situation where they don't have the ability to add. You mm -hmm. needed Bryce Young to be the guy, and, and then you start building around that. Now they need to try and add to help Bryce Young. So they've created a nice little mess over there. I am certainly not <laughs> complaining about what David Tepper has done, the owner of the Panthers, has done to that, that organization because that is a nice hot mess and something that, you know, if, if they take a couple of years to recover, yeah, obviously this, this first-round pick coming up in 2024, but they could – could have, the Bears could have picked 33, 34, 35, whatever. 2025, yeah. 2025, if this because this team just does not have a lot to add right now. So it's a nice hot mess, and, and that is a fabulous, fabulous thing. <laughs> so, again, if you're listening live, we appreciate you. Uh, this is not your average Bears postgame show. Matt Clapp with me. I'm Bill Zimmerman. If you've got comments or questions, we are going to get to them now. So drop them in, and, and we'll talk about them for a little bit here before we wrap up. Let's just start with a nice, simple one and kind of circle back to the beginning of the podcast. And that's Bears fan 131. It says, well, Bajan is solid. And Bears fan, I'll absolutely agree. Bajan had a solid day. But I'm also of the belief, and I think Matt is as well, as we talked about this at the beginning of the podcast, not to get overexcited, not to put too much into this performance. He kept it short. He didn't even keep it intermediate. But he did what he needed to do. Quick passes. He got the ball out. He was efficient. The running game complemented it well, where they were able to put together some sustained drives. And again, that's exactly what you want out of a QB2, is come into a game and, and keep the, let, let the team win the game and you not lose the game. Bajan did a great job of that today. You could not have asked more from him, you know, from, from an undrafted free agent from a Division II school making his first NFL start a quarterback. You could not have asked for more from Tyson Bajant than what he put forward. But again, let's not pretend that he's gives the Bears a better chance to win than Justin Fields. Yeah, you nailed it. I, I think that uh, he did everything that they could have wanted today, and he made sure to not do anything to potentially get the Raiders back in the game, which was a huge thing when the Bears were controlling the game on both sides and just running with such efficiency. Um, Luke Getze did a like, I haven't said this very much this year, but Luke Getze did a good job putting him in a position to succeed and uh, getting plays in space and efficient throws. And Tyson did a great job just on those those quick slants and quick passes. And he's 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 a very, very smart quarterback and a very, very accurate quarterback. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see the ceiling there. But like today was a great day for him and a great day for the Bears. Yeah, and and you know you mentioned it earlier, and I hadn't mentioned it, but I do want to agree. Luke Getze put together a game plan that was able to be executed. You know, he he put together a game plan that was going to help out the offense, that wasn't going to put them behind. 
you know, the eight ball and play to Tyson's strengths, which is what we've been frustrated with Matt Nagy previously and, and with Luke Getze, with Justin Fields, and even with Mitch Trubisky, if we want to go that far back with Matt Nagy, is, you know, being stuck playing the offense you want to play as a coach and right. not creating an offense that works for your, your players. And exactly. Luke Getze did that a lot last year, got away from it and started building to kind of Justin Fields' athleticism towards the middle of the season, things got better. And then of course, everything derailed at the end. Then this year we see the same thing in that Packers game. He's trying to do quick, short, quick game. And that's not what Justin Fields could do. And again, it just, it just didn't work. And it was just part of this early mess that, that, that the bears just put themselves in and, and really, really made things problematic for this team for the entire season. And now we're seeing it. We're seeing this bears team much improved competing, playing a lot better, but, you know, at the point where it's going to be really difficult for them to overcome what happened at the beginning of the year. And since we're talking about that, let me get to this comment from Tumultuous Titan, who says, how much of the defense improvement is Williams being gone and Eberflus taking over? And, and Titan, that is a good question, and it's one that's hard to determine because you know, this is Matt Eberflus's defense. Now, get, was he calling the plays on the sidelines? No. Allen Williams was definitely doing it and was definitely not doing it well. I'm not going to sit there and pretend that it was all scheme and not playing calling. It absolutely was both. Allen Williams did a bad job. Now, Matt Eberflus, when he took over those first couple weeks, did an equally bad job. So, again, was he being saddled with what was going on with Allen Williams, which clearly clearly was a distraction for this Bears coaching staff, potentially for the players as well. You know, we don't know all the details about this, but again, Alan Williams was let go by this Bears organization due to his conduct and HR was involved. So we know whatever was going on was not good with Alan Williams, which based on, you know, Alan Williams's reputation, and I'm guessing his reputation amongst his friends and peers as well, was shocking, whatever it was that happened. So that's absolutely going to be a distraction and could have played into some of the poor play calling from Matt Eberflus early. But overall, I, I just think, I don't know, Matt, it, it just feels like Matt Eberflus needed a kick in the butt, like to kind of yeah. sit there and be like, you don't just get to sit here and you cannot run <laughs> rush four straight up. You don't have the personnel to do it. You're not going to get home. You, right. you, you, you can't just sit in a soft zone when you don't have any password, like the, the the concepts that he was trying to do were he could not marry the two and it just created a soft, simple defense that any NFL quarterback, any pretty much backup quarterback, like the top backup quarterbacks would have been able to easily dissect. So is Eberflus doing a better job than Allen Williams? Absolutely. But is it just because he took over that the defense has improved? I don't think so. I think Eberflus needed a wake-up call and needed to realize that he needed to do some more creative things and some stunts and twists and blitzes up front. And, and you know, let Jalen Johnson and Tyreek Stevenson be more aggressive defensively. These are guys that can get up on a receiver and, and get handsy with them and, and create disruption and not just sit back 10, 12 yards and let the receiver come to them. Like, I didn't understand what a lot of the concepts were, and I feel like Eberflus has done a much better job. We talked about how Luke Getze should create an offense that plays to the strengths, and he did that today. I think Matt Eberflus is doing a better job of that moving, you know, and has been it the last few weeks, Matt. And again, 
Still not a great pass rush because Sam Howell takes a lot of sacks. So I kind of put that as an anomaly and I want to see it beyond the Washington game. We still really haven't seen it. And he just may not have the personnel to be able to correct that at all. We just knew this defensive line was weak. But Eberflus is definitely calling a better game the last few weeks. It's definitely showed up on the field. It's good to see. It brings some hope moving forward. But I need to see Matt Eberflus's defense play like this against better offenses before I'm willing to tip my cap to him. Yeah, I mean, you said it on absolutely everything there. I think big point that you made, uh, just adjusting from within what he does, the same thing you were saying about Luke Getze. Like these coaches sometimes get stubborn in their ways and only get players to play their way. Like you're seeing, I think, Matt Eberflus adjusting to the personnel and trying to get the most out of what this unit can do. And that's a good sign. That's what you want to see is coaches actually being willing to be open-minded and adjust uh, to what hadn't been working. Yeah. All right. And let's, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll switch back to the tank conversation about the Panthers pick uh, friend of the program, Chris Armstrong, who dropped in two comments here. Carolina is about to China syndrome. We're getting the number one pick. And she says, I'm sure they'll want a first for Burns, but who will give that to them? Well, look, Edge help is always needed, and there are always, you know, there there are never teams, unless somehow the New York Jets, who have all the good edges. I, I don't know how it managed to happen, but for the most part, even the best teams need edge help. So if Burns is truly available, someone I think is going to give them a, a first-round pick. The problem with Carolina is there's always been reported that the Rams offered up two first-round picks for Brian Burns a couple of years <laughs> ago, and they said no. And now they're not going to get two first-round picks for Burns. Burns, from from everything that we've seen, does not look happy in Carolina about the you know the contract and everything. So Carolina's created a mess with with arguably their best player. And are they going to trade him? Or are they not? I mean, you trade Brian Burns. I mean, that is a devastating blow, not just because of his talent, but for the locker room because you have made it very clear to your entire Panthers, every player on that Panthers roster, we have no faith that you're going to win any games this year. You know, we, we are trading away anyone we have to try and get any draft capital or anything we can do. Like that, that's where, you know, it's going to be really tough for Frank Reich to try and get his team motivated to play on Sundays when you know you are, in essence, tanking, even though they don't have a first round pick. So that's a definite mess of a situation. And again, Every time the Carolina situation gets messier, anytime we hear that good players could be traded off their team, it's better for the Bears. Yeah, uh, like I don't know who will give up that pick right now, but it, like you said, it's a premium position. Uh, everybody's got to find a way to get to the quarterbacks, especially when you're in the AFC. You got to find a way to run that gauntlet where it's just superstar quarterback after superstar quarterback. And you got to find pass rushers to try to get that done. So maybe somebody will be willing, willing to do it. But like you said, um, after they blew the opportunity uh, reportedly to get potentially two firsts for him, it would just be another uh, not great looking situation there. But they they do need the draft capital. They knew, do need to be real probably about where they're going and getting help for Bryce Young. So um, perhaps they'll 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 take any draft capital they can get over a player on the defensive side. Yeah, we'll we'll have to see on that. That's going to be definitely something to watch here the next couple of weeks here going into the deadline is exactly what the Carolina Panthers are, are going to do. So we're, we're going to be wrapping up here in just a minute. You know, Matt, I want to kind of get your final thoughts. If there's anything I hadn't brought up that you want to, you know, you want to bring up here, make sure you do it now. And to me, I kind of like to sum up with like, what's the first word 
that kind of comes to your mind after the game. And last week it was disappointment because you sat there after they, they finally get, you know, get the win against Washington, have the nice long layoff that the Vikings at home without Justin Jefferson, that was a beatable game going into the Raiders. You thought that was beatable. You could finally kind of get some momentum. Maybe they could get up to 500. You know, they could get up to five and five by the end of the Panthers game and kind of put themselves back in a position to be competing for the playoffs. So disappointment was the the, the word last week. And while I want to say it's like jubilation this week, it's not. For me, it's frustration because again, I'm seeing more of what this team should have been. They're able to beat the Raiders with a backup quarterback. And again, it's frustration going back to the beginning of the year where literally, if you go back to this, if they had beaten the Packers, like let's just pull back. Like the, the Bucks are a better team than I thought they would be. And, and Mayfield's yeah. pretty good. All right. So, and that was on the road. They lose that one. Kansas City is a much better team. They lose that one. If they had beaten the Green Bay Packers in week one, that may give them enough momentum that they don't blow that game against the Denver Broncos in week four. Suddenly you've added two more wins to this team and they are right in the thick of everything. Like that's where it's frustration to me is because I'm seeing a team that while is certainly not ready to win and win the division and be at that level, it's the team that I thought could be what I would call competitively bad And if the ball bounces their way a couple of times, they can get to nine wins and maybe squeak into the playoffs. And that would be exciting. So to me, seeing it coming together now, it's just frustrating knowing that what happened at the beginning of the year is weigh- is weighing them down. Yeah. I mean, the team that you saw today, the team that you saw against Washington, the team you, the team you saw for, well, maybe like a half or three quarters against the Broncos. Like, is that team really that much different than last year's Vikings, Giants, Jaguars, like, uh, you know, probably not as good, but the gap isn't very large. And instead they had been playing like a bottom barrel team. And like, that's not acceptable. That's that they're not that bad. They shouldn't be that bad. I know that they had literally hadn't won a home game in what 13 months or whatever it was. Yeah, right. Um, so I know, I know what the record says, but the true talent isn't that bad. This should at least be a, like an okay football team that is ascending to be better um, and hopefully be really good within a year or two. Like that's how it should have been looking and we've seen some signs of that so i think um like you said the word frustration i think the word maybe relief or encouraging also works um if you want to look at it from an optimistic side um but it's definitely frustrating because we should have been seeing more of this and it's you know when once you get to one in five now two and five that's the record right i think um like it's just a really big hole and it gets very difficult to get out of that and you know, especially with the trade trade deadline approaching and just um, it's tough. So it's annoying that it took them maybe until now to get there. Uh, that's what definitely one way to look at it. The other way to look at it, I guess, is maybe that they can ride this and play some better football as the year goes on. Um, I don't know if it's saving any jobs or if it should save any jobs. Uh, but yeah, I, I think we at least today saw what this football team is capable of. And I mean, they did it with their backup quarterback. So that, that says a lot. Like, I think that, I don't know if it would have been a, the same score with Justin Fields, but they still probably try to find a way to win the game. And yeah, I mean, they just played very, very well today. So that was encouraging. Yeah, absolutely. A- any other final thoughts before we wrap up? Um, I'm, <laughs> I, you know, we're in that weird spot where it's kind of like, oh, they won, but then, you know, draft pick status and this and that. I, I still, I still root for them and want to see them win on a given day. And it especially helps when you have the, the Panthers pick 
in hand. And I, I guess I guess it just was nice to also see the Giants and the uh, Patriots find a way to to win, and we could actually just enjoy the Bears getting a win. Yeah, and as they, it, to me, you know, you can sit here and root for the Bears because of the fact that that Panthers pick is just sitting there, mm-hmm. and it is with, with every passing week, it is just, it, it's they're they're almost locked into being a top three pick at the, at this point. Yeah, like that pick is a gold mine. It's just yeah. Yeah. So that's going to be great. So, you know, and again, when you, when you pull back on things, would you rather see the bears go three and 14 or five and 12? You'd rather them see them go three and 14 because that's going to be a difference of about six, seven picks. But if, if you're going to ask me, would I rather see the team win, you know, four wins or win seven or eight wins, I'd much rather have them win seven or eight and actually Mm -hmm. showing some life. 100 that they can be a, a competitive football team moving forward with some good draft capital moving forward and really piece this whole thing together so yes there there are absolutely positives and i think this week coming up against the chargers where the chargers are a beatable team but a much better team with a really good quarterback mm-hmm. is really going to let us see you know tyson bajan is probably gonna have to push the ball down the field a little bit more yep. because the chargers aren't going to score six points through three and a half quarters like Bajan's going to have to do a little more offensively. The defense is going to have to step up. They're going to have to play better to, to neutralize Justin Herbert. So it's going to be a big opportunity. It's going to be on national stage. So it should make for a fun, compelling game, at least for us Chicagoans and us Bears fans. I don't know if, if people in the, you know in New York are going to be too excited about this Chargers-Bears game <laughs> on Sunday Night Football, but I'm not too worried about them. So... Matt, thanks so much for joining me. I enjoyed this conversation. Bears fans, thanks so much for joining us live. I hope you enjoyed it. Hey, enjoy this victory. The Bears, it's only happened twice. So, you know, (laughs) have a couple victory beers. Enjoy your Sunday. You know, get ready for the work week and know that, you know, there's going to be, look, there's going to be out of, Bajan's got to play. He's the best quarterback <laughs> on the team. We we know what's coming, so you, you may get a little frustrated, but it's going to be a fun week. So, Matt, thanks so much, and, 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 you know, bear down. Yeah, absolutely, bear down, and thank you so much for having me. All right, that's going to end the live stream. Thanks so much, everybody. Make sure you stay tuned to the Second City Gridiron YouTube page and the Windy City Gridiron podcast channel. There will be, you know, the full slate of podcasts with Baron Balance and Bears Banter and Making Monsters and Bears Over Beers, the whole the whole shooting match, Bare Bones as well. So plenty of content all week talking about this win and getting you ready for the Chargers. Bear down, everybody. Talk to you soon. Adios.